Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. I have to get my uh, camera position and my microphone tested this time. So if you have any tips or commentary, please let me know. Uh, I want to thank you for being my guinea pigs today. And what I'm saying is I'm trying this talk for the first time before I go out to meet the world. And uh, they all seem like very, very nice people. And I'm sure it's all going to go well. But... I'll be going to uh, about uh, 20 different groups to uh, talk about my book, including all the Soto Buddhists in Hawaii. Uh, A uh, Japanese-American priest from Hawaii, uh, I think he's actually from Japan, but he's uh, naturalized in America, has invited all the Soto temples in uh, Hawaii to come listen to an event about my book. So uh, that's going to be uh, fun. And thank you for letting me try it today. You know that I am always trying to introduce people to Master Dogen. Master Dogen is the fellow who is at the center of our Sota way and brought these teachings that had come from India to China to Japan. And so many people, at least me, struggled and do struggle with understanding Master Dogen's masterwork, the Shobogenzo, because it's wild, man. It's not a straight read. And for that reason, I think that some folks, well, after a while, they they put it down, can't get their head and heart around it. Then there are other folks who try to analyze it all to pieces. There are so many books, so many articles by philosophers and others who try to take every phrase, every crazy phrase by Master Dogen and Shobogenzo and ask, what does it mean? And the scholars usually come up with some theory. And then other people go the other way and they say, well, you know, it's just the words of an enlightened man. And it's not for us ordinary humans to understand. Or maybe it doesn't mean anything. It's just gobbledygook. I don't think that's true either. I think Master Dogen, who was trained in Tendai Buddhism, had some, well, orthodox traditional meanings in there. But his way of expressing it was like jazz, was like Picasso ripping a table apart and putting the the legs and the the bottom of the table where the top should be. It was like a, a DJ at a rave taking bits and samples of great Buddhist stories and koans and wrapping them all together 
to come up with a tune, you know. Let's get back to the jazz. Master Dogen's style reminds me of uh, the great John Coltrane. And I always put a link to uh, Coltrane's version of My Favorite Things. Now, you, you know the, the song, My Favorite Things. It's that kind of beautiful but a little square song that Julie Andrews sings in The Sound of Music. Let me give it a try here. <clears throat> Raindrops and roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Da 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 da. These are a few of my favorite things. Pardon me, I'm no singer. Now Coltrane takes that, tears it apart, syncopates it, and something wild comes out. Every once in a while, you can hear bits and pieces of the underlying melody, but it's all syncopated in time, one thing merging into another. And if you asked, what did Coltrane mean by playing that note or that phrase? It would be a little bit of a mistake because it's the feeling the feeling man. Coltrane took this song, and it's not like every note has a message apart from what the mystic Coltrane was feeling in his heart when he put it all together. But that doesn't mean that there are not real teachings in there. It's not completely free jazz. There is something there that Dogen is trying to express. There is, like Coltrane, an old standard in there that he's working from. And today I'm going to give you a little bit about my book and tell you what I think some of those old standards were. And they're really not so hard to understand. Well, yes, they are. But... It's more a matter that we can understand these a bit and then we do our Zen practice, we get on the cushion and we can actually feel the music man. I can explain this, like I can explain what Coltrane is doing musically with my favorite things or what Picasso's doing and why he's doing it with a table. But the most important thing is in our practice to realize this. But let me give it an attempt to explain. You see, my book is called Zen Master's Dance because I believe that Master Dogen saw all of reality as this great, moving, interpenetrating, alive, active, can't nail it down dance that we sometimes call emptiness. That is what everything and everyone and each moment is doing dancing with all other things and people and moments. You're a dancer in the dance. I'm a dancer in the dance. As is every grain of sand and star, every leaf blowing in the wind, every planet, friends and enemies, those we love and those we find difficult, the moments of life that are easy, the moments of life that are hard, are all this great dance inside you, 
are dances upon dances. Every atom, every cell is spinning, dancing, coming together, merging, going apart, appearing for a time, and vanishing from the dance. You and I feel like beings who appear on the stage for a time. Somehow we're here and we're moving and we're dancing. Every gesture by us, every movement of our leg is a step in this dance. And we dance for some time, a number of years, and then we appear to vanish. It's even scary. Where do we go? Until we realize that we are the dance. The dance has spun out us. We feel like separate dancers in a dance, but you cannot nail down a dance and say, there is the dance and here are the dancers. And I feel you are a dancer apart from me, but this is not the Mahayana Buddhist view of dancing. In this dance, every dancer dances with every other dance. You are dancing with the stars. You are dancing with your friend. You are even dancing with the people in life you find difficult. But it's more than that. They all are dancing as you. And when you step back, all of it vanishes. There are no separate beings. It's just the dance of steps coming together, conditions coming together in a certain place. And it comes alive as its dancers, of which you are one. Every time you move your hand, it's the dance gesture of moving your hand. And when you step, you give steps to the dance. And there's one more vision that's vitally important to understanding Dogen, and we're gonna look at a little today. Every dancer pours into, is embodied by, and is all the other dancers. This is the part that a lot of Westerners have difficulty seeing. So you just gotta see the image I'm gonna give you. And it is a little bit in the mind. And as I said, in Zen, we're not about just understanding this intellectually. You gotta feel it, which is what all our practice is about. But I can still explain it in a pretty easy way, even though it's tough for Westerners to get this. Everything completely contains everything else and is everything else. For example, if I have a teacup and there is a mountain and there am I, we say, here am I, there's the cup, there's the mountain. Obviously separate, but not for the Zen Buddhist. The cup contains the mountain as if somehow I blew it in and it's in there. And not just the mountain, but the leaf in the wind and every cell and the whole universe, imagine, right inside, and us too. Yes, it's hard for us to get our image about that, but the mountain also contains and embodies and enlivens and is the teacup and me. And I, as if my chest opened and all was in my heart, am the mountain and the cup the vessel. Now, I know that's hard to get our head around, but imagine this, a dancer where every step of the dance 
somehow contains and brings life to every other dancer's step. And every gesture, every leap of the dancer is a leap that somehow embodies the entire dance. This is the vision that Master Dogen has. So I'm going to read a straight koan. This is the, my favorite things that Dogen was working from. Okay. And again, it's not that hard to understand up here. We don't stop up there, though. This is from Master Dogen's Uji, Being Time in Shobogenzo. Being time means that all things, all the dancers, are in their own place and time. Just like a dancer on the stage dancing to his or her own rhythm in his or her own unique place. Like Einstein said, we all have our own time. Relative, that's a little different from everyone else. But yet, somehow all our times sweep in and contain all the other times. It's not only that I contain the mountain, but each moment contains all moments. Somehow one moment of the dance by one dancer is embodying all the other moments of the dance, and I am too. So that is Master Dogen's Uji. Yaoshan asked Mazu, I have read all the teachings of Buddhism and all the scriptures. But what was the ancestral master Bodhidharma's intentions in coming to China from India in the West? This is a standard koan that usually means many things. First off, why did he bother to come to China? The obvious meaning. But it also means, hey, what's this all about? Not only Zen, but what is reality all about? Why? What? Mazu responded, Sometimes I make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye. And sometimes I do not make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye. That's not so hard to understand, I think. Mazu saying, Master Bodhidharma's coming is my and your winking and raising an eyebrow and moving our hand and step. In fact, the whole universe is in your blinking and you're moving your hand or raising an eyebrow. Not only that, all of reality, the universe, cannot raise a damn eyebrow without you and all the other folks who have eyebrows, of course, but it cannot raise your eyebrow or see through your eyes without your eyes to wink, to see. This is the deep interconnection that Dogen had. And just this simple thing, nothing fantastic, no lights pouring forth, no great rainbows of gold. The simple thing is a miracle that we are here because of all of this dance, 
this whole dance somehow, somehow spun around to us and our little eyebrows that are here to wink, it's a miracle. It is. Your simple winking, scratching your nose. And then, why is this important? Because we feel so disconnected in this life. I feel I'm not you. Where's my life going? Why am I here? You're here to dance. We're dancing. Who are you? You are the dance. And though you feel separate, and though you feel that someday you will leave this stage, if the dance has danced on, before and during and after our time. And if you are just the dance, then the dance is you beyond the brief time you have on the stage, you see. And all the things we find so hard in this world, oh, there are things these days, the scenes of peace, but also the scenes of war, the ugly and the beautiful, the things that cause us pain, are just flitting across the surface of this dance. They're scenes in life's dance. Life is complicated. But if we can see beyond the scenes of the loss and the gain, the things we desire and the things we fear, and just throw ourselves into the dance, yield to the dance, allow the dance to flow through us, then we see that what appears on the surface is only a moment of drama. So we yield, we become the dance, you see, just by winking our eyes and raising our eyebrows. So that leads to the question of what is right and wrong. And Mazu says, sometimes to make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye is what's right. And sometimes to make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye is not right. There are things in this world that seem right and things in this world that seem wrong. There are times we do things right and there are times we mess it all up. But for the Buddhists like Mazu or Dogen, there's somehow some great right to the dance that sweeps in our right and wrong. When we do it wrong, we've sure done it wrong but we did it right wrong. Of course, Master Dogen and the others make the point, hey, try to do right. Don't mess up the dance. But if you can, we also see that whether we stumble and trip, bump into the other dancers, make a mess of it all, it's still the dance. I actually, this is, this is true. I have dancers in my family. And I asked my, uh, it's my sister. She was a, a, a modern dancer. Maybe I'm inspired by her to write this book. And I said, what do you do on stage when you flub it all up? You know, when you, you trip over your toes, you fall right on your posterior, right there on the stage. She was not a classical ballerina. She was a modern dancer where it is choreographed and there are things you're supposed to do, but it is, and it's not total chaos on stage, but it's very free. So what do you do when you trip and fall? She said, oh, you make it part of the dance and you go from there. 
It becomes the dance. No two times on the stage are ever the same. And it's never perfect. She has never danced, uh, you know, a routine where everything went according to plan. Her body is different every day. Like our life is different every day. And sometimes we flub it all up. But if you roll or the fellow drops you when he's supposed to pick you up and you land on the stage like a bag of potatoes, it's part of the dance. And the potatoes get up and make it so as if it was the graceful thing that was supposed to happen. Very rarely do you need to stop the whole dance and start again. So that's what Master Dogen now, picking up his jazz horn, tries to play here. And let me explain a little about that. He's going to say first off that everything's interconnected, that the wrong time and the right time are somehow even right, even when they're wrong. And he's also going to say, using the image of mountains and seas and other parts of Uji, this, this essay he wrote, he says that the mountain is a dancer, the sea is a dancer, like you are a dancer and it has its being time of dancing and you have your being time of dancing and Mazu had his being time. So listen for that in what he said. What Mazu says is not the same as other people's words. His eyebrows and eyes are the mountains and oceans. Because the mountains and oceans are his eyebrows and eyes. In his, quote, make him raise an eyebrow, he is to see the mountains and make him wink is to understand the seas. Uh, you know, Master Dogen also loved his wordplay here, and we can't get this so easily in English, but this word seas might do it. You know, we're talking about the eye, right? And the eye, and we're talking about the ocean, the sea, but the word sea can also mean seeing. So that's also part of the wordplay that, that Dogen sometimes loves, to play with words like to see the sea, like that. He just, because it sounded cool, man. It's just, it's just wordplay. I don't think he meant it. It's just, oh, he noticed that C and C sounds alike. Let's use it both. But he did that in Japanese, of course. The right answer truly is his. And he is actualized by having him raise the eyebrows and wink. But neither does not right mean not having his eyebrows and winking and to not have him raise the eyebrows and wink does not mean not right now don't start to just go for the sound here he's just taking the pieces like picasso tossing them all up and putting them all together again there is a meaning there but just go with his game all are equally the being time the mountains are time and the oceans are time. Without time, the mountains and oceans could not exist. Right? If you didn't have billions of years, they would not have been here. Time is movement. Movement is the dance. The dance coughed up mountains and oceans. So we should not deny that time is existing in the mountains and oceans right here and now. If time were annihilated, the mountains and oceans would be annihilated. But as time is not annihilated, thus 
the mountains and oceans are preserved. This being so, the morning star appears, the Buddha Tathagata appears, the eye appears and raising up a flower appears. Each is time and where were there no time, it could not be thus. At the end, he brings in the scene of the Buddha sitting Zazen under the tree, seeing the morning star, realizing enlightenment, and somehow is saying, this too is the dance, which means it is the mountain, which means it is the blowing leaf, which means it is every cell in you, which it means it is your gesture and leap and falling sometimes, and it is your winking and raising your eyebrows. Okay, now I'm just going to read a little selection from my book talking about this. From the Zen Master's Dance. Dogen plays on a cherished koan about a Zen master who inquires into the real meaning of Zen, which somehow eluded him despite all his studies of texts and theory. He asks why Bodhidharma bothered to come to China. In other words, what is Zen all about? The traditional response about eyebrows and such can have a very direct meaning. Bodhidharma did nothing special. No more special than winking. Traveling to China was the most natural of things like winking. If he had not done it, well, someone else would have taken his place. But that's not the only meaning. On the other hand, our own simple acts of winking and looking can also be known as the Buddha, the whole universe, all reality, looking and winking. Bodhidharma, looking and winking. The whole universe, looking and winking. And not doing so is still the ancient master's eyes and eyebrows not doing so. The whole universe not doing so. It is not a matter of our having to be aware of such fact all the time. As a matter of fact, most of the time we don't go around saying, oh, I just winked or sneezed. That was the whole universe sneezing. We feel separate. The thing that's called ignorance is when we only feel separate, only feel lonely and apart, only feel in conflict with all the other dancers, some of whom we like, but many of whom we do not. Our job in Zazen, this is, not, this is me speaking, not the book, but our job in Zazen is to also realize the connection, the identity, the wholeness. Okay, anyway. Back to it. It is not a matter of our having to be aware of such fact all the time. Our face is still shared with the ancient master, although we do not feel so in a particular moment. It's just a fact. Even so, it is still Bodhidharma's eyes and eyebrows, as are eyes and eyebrows. Now, Dogen plays his 
Zen Jazz to take this one step further. His eyes and eyebrows are the mountains and seas and the whole world and all within it. Winking the eye is an ocean winking and raising an eyebrow is raising a mountain. There may be right and wrong times to do or not do an action. Now, now we get into talking about what's right and what's wrong in life, okay? Which is so important because everything sometimes seems wrong or right. And we don't know what to do that's wrong or right. And things sometimes in our life go very, very wrong. I have a couple of things in my life going wrong now. There are things in our society you may have noticed that don't seem to always be going right. What about that? This is very practical advice he's about to give on how to look at all the problems of the world and in your life. So listen closely. It's not just about mountains and seas. It's about that thing in your life that's just driving you crazy. I got him too. There may be right and wrong times to do or not do an action, but ultimately there are no wrong times. Let me say that better. But ultimately, there are no wrong times. For each time is its own time. No matter what happens at the dance, it's that moment of the dance, whether it's a trip or a graceful leap. And even not doing is the right time of not doing and wrongdoing is the right time of wrong doing. That's it, you see. There's something to the Mahayana Buddhist. It's not just us. I think that many Christians feel this. Many Einstein might have felt that in the harmony of the mathematical equations he sensed in his own heart. There's something right about it that sometimes makes this world of right and wrong. That's not an excuse for us to do wrong, by the way. But there's something so right, so all-encompassing about the harmony of the dance that even the wrong times are the right doing of a wrong doing. Nonetheless, Dogen would often remind us to do what's right and avoid doing wrong, for doing so helps clarify the heart and mind. Dogen says that eye and eyebrow, mountains and seas are all time. It is obvious that without time, none of these could have evolved or come to be. Thus he states, without time, the mountains and oceans could not exist. But equally, without the motion of there and are evolving, time would have been frozen and never flowed. This, thus, time needs us and is us as much as we need time and our time. Dogen says, so we should not deny that time is existing in the mountains and oceans right here and now. It is existing as you and me too, here and now. Imagine if the earth was all frozen, had never evolved. 
would we be here having this conversation that is the dance right now? This conversation too is part of the dance. And so it is for all moments in time, such as when the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree saw the morning star and realized the truth. It is said that after many long years of striving and pushing himself to extremes of body and mind, the Buddha finally eased his heart under the tree. Seeing the clear light of the morning star in the sky, he said, I and all sentient beings on earth together are enlightened at once, or as I may paraphrase, are the dance at once. There's nothing I need to do to become this dance. The morning star I'm seeing is the dance, is just shining as its dance steps. And guess, it is the dance. I am the dance. Dance is the dance. Thus, I am the morning star and the morning star is shining as me. See, it's not hard that hard really to understand this. All are enlightened at once, for all are one in this being time. And when we sit Zazen for a moment, again, all things pour into the teacup. When you sit Zazen, there's nothing outside of your Zazen. It is the mountains, it is the seas, it is winking, it is blinking, it is the leaf in the wind, it is every atom spinning. It is all the beautiful things and the ugly things that have happened, whether billions of years ago or endless kalpa in the future. In your zazen, which is under the Bodhi tree, for you are sitting there seeing the shining of the morning star, which is nothing but you and always has been, just the dance. Okay, let me finish here. Years later, when the Buddha held up a flower and winked, Mahakashapa saw and understood with a smile. In that famous story, the Buddha silently held up a single flower as the wordless expression of the truth. And his disciple Mahakashapa understood and also expressed this silently. Ultimately, the dance is not about our talking. It's about getting up and dancing, which you're always doing whether you realize it or not. Do it gracefully. Don't need to talk about it. But let's feel it. Feel right now that you are the dance, that all the universe, the mountains and seas are spinning inside you. It's true. It's true. Mahakashapa understood and also expressed this silently. Yet I've spent so many words to try to explain this. Thank you for your time. Well, that's my talk. How was it? How was it? Is it going to work? <laughs> <laughs> I have to shorten it a bit. Ran seven minutes longer than I'm supposed to. So I have a tendency to, to run long. Anyway, now is the time and the being in this moment of the dance for the uh, questions and answers. Let me see if I can go to the other look here where I can see everybody. Hello. Oh, there you guys are. You're all there. I had... I didn't realize there were so many people here. Hi. Good, good I wasn't, didn't see you all. It would have made me, would have made me nervous to realize that uh, you guys are all out there. Anyway, uh, hit me with some questions and answers because I'm going to get hit by, you know, all those folks. So really, you know, put me to the test here. Huh? Let me see how I do this, okay? Come on, guys. Help me out. Questions, please.
Yes, Evan. So just like, as far as I understand, when you talk about, you know, the dance and stuff, that's kind of similar to what, you know, I've seen other texts have referred to, like when they talk about emptiness or interbeing, the similar kind of, is that, is that, is that correct in my understanding of when, what you're describing when you talk about the dance and everything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh writes about it as the, the paper contains the sunlight. And that's a, a little... Uh, stagnant image, but the, 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 all Zen, you know, it's Zen Buddhism Mahayana 101, that all things flow into all things. It's called Huayan Buddhism, which so influ influenced Dogen through his Tendai teachings, and all Sorry. things flow into all things. It's, and why, what is the practicality of that? That we feel separate and we're in conflict with others, and if we feel the unity and wholeness and yield to the dance. My, my, my sister described one time, for example, when she was dancing and she had lost a baby. Uh, and it was her first time back on the stage dancing after she had a miscarriage. And the tears in the middle of the dance started flowing because all the emotion suddenly, she was back on the stage dancing and she realized it's all part of the dance. The universe just tried to have a child and that, well, was that step in the, in the dance was not going to be. So later she had other children. But everything is the dance. And when we yield to the dance and we flow with the dance, trying to be as graceful as we can be, we're at peace. We're just carried along. That's why this is so helpful to all of us who feel separate and sometimes in conflict, and sometimes wondering what it's all about. What is the point of a dance, my friend? What is the point of life but to live? What is the point of a dance but to dance? And if you're going to do it, so many people out there, look at, look at the people messing up their dance with the anger and the ugliness and the drugs and the alcohol and the violence and the jealousy messing up their own dance. We try to learn not only that we are the dance, but we try to learn to dance with peace and grace. That was Master Dogen's other message that we didn't get into so much today. Okay. Another question. Really, put me through my paces here. Yes, Sekishi, thank you. Come in next. Thank you, Jindo. Um I think uh, wh what you just said really struck me um, because it feels like as, as far as, uh, you know, well, why does this matter? You know, why do we, why does it matter if we're connected to all things? Because that's also the wellspring of compassion because I know what pain feels like, right? When I stub my toe, it really hurts because it's my toe, right? But when Jake stubs his toe, it really hurts because it's Jake's toe, but it's not, right? Like, what, like <laughs> pain is pain is pain is pain. And when we try to help others care for their pain, it's because they're all connected. 
And when someone else feels joy, you feel joy, right? If you're at a birthday party and there's a little kid, like, and they're really happy and excited because it's their birthday, like it rubs off on you. Um, and it it can be that way for everything, right? Like, I don't know, like that wellspring, uh, that, that interconnectedness really is this wellspring that if you can be open to it, it's, it's why, it's why we, uh, it's how you save all beings. Like it's part of how you save all beings. We save all beings. Well, what does that mean? How can you save all beings? There's beings I can't even get to. When everything's interconnected, what's the problem? We realize we save all beings when we are the dance. And I, I, I'm not Jake and I'm not Sekishi. This is true. We are separate dancers. There's nothing in Buddhism that said we're, we're, we're not, you know, when I stub my toe, it hurts me. It doesn't hurt Jake. But we're all in this dance together and as this dance too. And we have to realize that. Yes, we're all dancing our individual dances, but we're a dance team, basically. That's what society is. So let's get this, uh, our little corner of the dance together uh, as nice as we can. Uh, we're we're on the same team. That's uh, that's another meaning of compassion. Unfortunately, in society these days, it feels like we're all on a few separate teams. We have to get over that. Kionin, you had a question? Yes, um, I understand what you said, and and your talk is wonderful. However, uh, when I talk about this here in um, the local Sangha, um, I usually come with this question and, why, and I want to ask it to you because I know you will face it at some point in your um, future talks about your book. So you're saying, and, and I'm not speaking about me, all right? This is just a common question from people. So you're saying that I have to accept that life sucks and I have to be uh, accepting and comfortable with it? And if so, how do I do that? We accept the dance, we yield to the dance, and it's our responsibility to bring the dance to life and to be as graceful and good as we can. There's something about the dance that no matter how we mess it up, it's just the dance and it's okay. But yet, we don't mess it up. And if we see a problem, we fix it. If we see someone in need of help, we try to help them. We always look at things at two ways. You'll hear me say this all the time in our Sangha. See things two ways at once. One, completely yielding and letting and realizing it's just the big okay. And at the same time, that doesn't mean everything's okay. We have work to do. The dancer just doesn't sit down and say, well, okay, everything's okay. I'm just going to sit here. That would be part of the dance too. But the dancer must get up and be a skilled dancer. We have work to do. So you don't just accept the things. If you're sick, try to get healthy. If you see uh, poverty, we try to feed the poor like that. Ah, Evan, yes. I suppose when uh, Kionin's question made me think of something else that, yeah, uh, example you used once before and I always re really resonated with me was you mentioned, you know, you live, if you live in a house with a leaky roof, you can still fully accept your house as your house and love your house. But at the same time, you still got to fix the leak in the roof. 
And I always really like that example you gave. Somebody actually listens to me. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Somebody actually re remembers something I said. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, Brett. Greetings from down under, Jundo, and everyone. Um, with saying the dance, you're implying that there's a non-dance. What is the non-dance? Say again? When you say dance, like it says it, within, within that word comes non-dance. No one's dancing or there isn't a dance. What, is in, what isn't the dance? The dance is like emptiness. Emptiness is empty. The dance is the non-dance. In other words, you can, the dance is not a thing. It's not something you nail to the wall or put in a jar. But somehow all of reality, all of life is doing it. And how do we know? Here we are dancing. This gesture is the dance. I, it's not a dance. It's not a thing. It's, it's just this great I, the thing. Sometimes we call it Buddha. Sometimes we call it reality. Sometimes we call it the Dharmakaya or emptiness. These are just the names, and as soon as we stick a name on it like that, we toss it away and just dance. Forget the word dance. Just dance. That's what it is. That's the best answer I can give. I had to come up with some name or image. That's what we do. That was the best I could come up with. Don't get, but don't get caught on it. Don't get caught on it. One more before we, we're actually going to get and do the hokey pokey. Yes. My friend, Stuart. Right at the beginning, when you were giving the explanation and you went into saying that was often called emptiness, the thing that came to my mind instantly was if you were in church, you could have simply substituted the word Trinity. And it sounds exactly the same thing. Uh, in the Trinity, there are three dancing. In Mahayana Buddhism, many or myriad, but it sounds exactly the same thing. Some may call it God. Some may call it the Holy Ghost and the Father and the Son. Some may call it Fred. Ma uh, Einstein may have called it E equals MC square. There's something going on. How do I know this dance is real? By the way, where did the dance come from? Where is the dance going? Is there a choreographer or is it just... Nature somehow made this dance? Wait a second. Let's put that aside. Here we are. It's like we appeared on a stage. We're born. Look around. Wait a second. Here I am. Here are some other dancers out there. Stuart dancer, a nation. Where did we come from? What am I doing on the stage? I only know one thing. I'm dancing. So I will dance. And I believe that that's all we can do is dance gracefully. That was Master Dogen's message, which we didn't touch on so today. But here we are. We find ourselves here. Karma, if you want to call it, is to dance gracefully. Dance good karma, gracefully, gently, peacefully. Don't muck it up until the time that you dance off. And maybe you dance off stage and, you know, according to the Buddhists, you dance back on again. But for the meantime, dance. You're here on the stage right now. Dance well. Okay.
Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.